0: the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. So today is our AGM. And to help us kind of get in the mood for AGMs, uh, if one can be in the mood for an AGM, I thought uh, it would be good to spend some time thinking about what has been the highlight of the year for us. And so... I want you to do that. Think about what has been the highlights, and what does that say about what it is about St George's that you enjoy? What it is that brings you here um, as part of this parish? So think about that for a moment, and if you want to, you can turn around and talk to your neighbour. And if you're not a Krishna, you can talk about uh, what it is that keeps you going to your home church, if you have one, and otherwise you can just listen to what people say. So, So. Turn around, talk to your neighbour, highlight what that says about St George's. So what were some of the, some of the highlights? A carol service. The carol service? Uh-huh. Yep, what about? it? Uh-huh. Yep, that was my highlight. Yeah, that play that Margie wrote and the kids put on was amazing. And I actually had uh, another priest ring me a couple of weeks ago to say she was taking a funeral for a family and she went... And, and the first thing they told her was we did that play again on Christmas Day about Christmas Day at St George's and that play before they did anything else they had to tell her how amazing that was and how it had made that Christmas the best Christmas service they'd ever been to they said, so well done Over the last few years a lot of what I've been talking about has been centred around these three questions and I'm sure you could tell me what those questions are I've talked about them a lot and those three questions are Whose are we? Which is another way of saying who is God, but making it a little bit more personal. Who are we? And what is ours to do? How we answer that first one, whose are we, influences how we answer those other two. The who are we and what is ours to do. And as I've been saying over the last few weeks, how we answer that first question, whose are we, who is God, Well, that's shaped, that's coloured by the pattern or the lens that we apply to everything. And I've been using Brian McLaren's uh, three or four universal patterns. uh, And they are rivalry, compliance, meaningless mechanism, and the one that he suggests the Gospels, at least, are all about love. So... If we see the world, so I have these glasses, and I see the world through these glasses. And sometimes when they're clean, I can see the world clearly. And sometimes when they're dirty, it all gets a bit, it all gets a bit fuzzy. Uh, and it's they're not tinted, but if they were tinted, then I would see the world through that tint. These patterns act in the same way. And so, if I see the world through the lenses of rivalry, then the image of God is going to be God the victorious king. And God is going to win and we're in an eternal struggle. We're always fighting, but we're on the winning side. And there's a lot of Christians who who understand God to be a victorious king. Or if I have looking through the world through the lens of compliance, knowing the rules, keeping the rules, rewarded if I keep the rules, punished if I don't keep the rules, then God is the eternal judge. And my life, if that is the lens I see the world, is about learning the rules and keeping the rules and condemning those who do not keep the rules. Are there other ways of understanding God? Well, this morning we just heard from the Gospel reading the story from Luke of Jesus talking about the fig tree. The fig tree that does not bear fruit. Now it's really important that we don't kind of mix some of the other versions of that story from other Gospels. That we just allow that story to stand on its own. Now this morning I want to ask which figure in this story best represents God. And before I talk about that I just need to note that this is a dangerous thing to do. Jesus told stories which weren't necessarily about God, but, well, they were about God, but there wasn't a God figure in there. And sometimes when we kind of say, well, this figure is the God figure, then we can end up with some really interesting theologies, interesting theologies in terms of, they don't actually bear any resemblance to what Jesus was on about, but they kind of fit the lens that we see the world through. So we need to be careful how we do it. But given that little caveat, I want to ask the question, which figure in the story best represents how we understand God? Now, I would have to say that most of the time I would have just, without really thinking about it, would have come up with two answers. Firstly, the owner, because that kind of makes sense. You know, God is the owner, so maybe the owner is God. Or, God's not in the story, there is no God figure. The other day I was having a conversation with a friend who said to me, why well, I think the gardener? And I stopped to think about that. I stopped to think about why I was so surprised that he said that, but also what he said made so much sense. The gardener. The gardener is the one who is not quick to judge. The owner's the one who's quick to judge. Ah, no fruit, chop it down, plant a new tree. The gardener is the one who says, no, let's give this tree a second chance. So the gardener in the story is the one who gives second chances. Not quick to judge, gives second chances. But more than that, the gardener doesn't just say, well, let's give it a bit more time. The gardener says, let's feed it, let's nurture it, let's pay attention to it. Let's do our very best to allow this tree to be a fig tree, to bear fruit. Now, the context of this story is a discussion about who deserves the supposed judgment of God. His disciples have come to Jesus and they've said, "These Galileans, who Pilate has killed and mixed their blood in with the sacrifice, were these more deserving of God's judgment than anyone else?" And what about the people who were killed by the tower and the wall of Jerusalem that's fallen on them? Does that mean that they were bigger sinners than anyone else? In some ways that seems like a foreign question for us. But actually, on the, here we are, just after the fifth anniversary of the Christchurch earthquake. That's exactly what people were asking five years ago in Christchurch. What have these people, what have I done so wrong that these terrible things have happened to my family? What have these people that have done so wrong that these terrible things have happened to my family. And American preachers have preached exactly that sermon, after the Boxing Day sermon, after the Boxing Day tsunami, saying this was God's judgment on those heathen people. But Jesus' answer to that question is really interesting. Jesus says, they're no more deserving than anyone else. They're no more deserving than you. They're no more deserving than the Pharisees or the priests or even Herod or Pilate himself. We are all in the same boat. We all need to repent. No holier-than-thou kind of stuff going on in this story. Everyone's in the same boat. Everyone is like that fig tree. So who is God in the story? Well, the the gardener, who says to all the people, I'm going to give you second chances, and I will feed you. I will be centred on you. I will focus on you. I will be committed to you. Feed you, nurture you, give you life. Isn't that exactly the same picture we got from the reading from... Isaiah, second Isaiah, the kind of the first Isaiah is from the time before the exile, kind of warning of what is going to come. Second Isaiah is during the exile, towards the end of the exile, looking towards the future, looking for hope that this time will come to an end. And again we have that same image of God, the God who gives second chances, the God who is committed to God's people, the God who Feeds and nurtures those people, brings them out of exile back to the back to their land, the land that God gave them. Or or the reading from Paul, my ways are are greater than my thoughts are, are, are greater than your thoughts, my ways are, are greater than your ways. Actually that's Isaiah as well, not Paul. And uh, You know, how often do we kind of make God in our image of um, God as the judge? God's going to chop us down if we don't bear fruit. Because that's our way, so God must be like that. But actually, God's ways, if this story is to be believed, God's ways are, are filled with compassion. God's ways are filled with second chances. God's ways are filled with generosity. God's the one who is committed to. God is the one who feeds and nurtures us so that we might be all that we might be. So, back to my question. Whose are we then in light of today's readings? God is the one who is slow to judge. God is the one who gives second chances. God is the one who feeds and nurtures so that all creation can be all that it was created to be. God is the one who gives life. God is the one who invites us to produce fruit. So who are we then in light of that? We are the ones who need all those second chances. The ones who are fed and nurtured by God. We are the ones who receive the gift of life from God as individuals and as a community here at St. George's. And so what is ours to do in light of all of that? Ours is to be part of God's ongoing work of giving second chances, of feeding and nurturing, of giving the gift of life to all who live in these communities. That is what is ours to do. But that question, what is ours to do, is the question, then, that should shape our discussions at our AGM. Too often, when I go to church meetings, we talk about all the dismal statistics about what is happening in the Anglican churches and lots of other churches, the fall in attendance rates, the fall in baptism numbers, the fall in confirmation numbers, the fall in youth group numbers, the fall in everything, finances, struggling, and the, the big question that comes out of all of that is, will we survive? That's the overriding, the overarching question that sits in there. And I want to say that is the wrong question. Whether we survive or not, well, that's God's business. Whether we survive as a parish, as a diocese, as a church, that is entirely up to God. The question that should shape everything we do, is whose are we? Who are we? And in light of the answer to those two questions, what is ours to do? So rather than always thinking about whether we should be surviving, I think the big question is, are we being faithful? Are we being faithful to God, to who we are, to what is ours to do? And the problem with... Always focusing about survival is that we then want to be successful, and success is measured in surviving and and the numbers that kind of show whether we're surviving or not. So, you know, are our numbers going up? Is our giving increasing? Do we have vibrant youth groups? Do we have great programs? And interestingly, that's what the diocese asks us for every year: those kind of numbers. I understand why they ask them, but they I think they kind of lead us to believe that actually they're, the, they're the, the, the important questions, and they're not. They kind of help us look at whether we are doing what is ours to do. But in the end, they don't measure that. And so they kind of lead us to be sidetracked. Instead of being successful, maybe, maybe it's more important that we are faithful. So as we go into our AGM then, I want us to ask this question. Are we being faithful to the God who gives life? Who is at work in this community, these communities, giving second chances, giving life, feeding and nurturing us, and through us, these communities. May that be the question we take to our AGM. Amen.